Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 33 of the Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. I'm your host this week, TJ Mills, and I'm joined by the legend that is Robbie Mansfield. How's things, Robbie? Ah, not too bad, TJ. Any crack yourself? Eh, full of crack this week, I won't lie to you. Lot of drama as well, but I won't go into it. And yourself? Um, I not really much. Just uh, up in uh, my dad's house. This was his birthday uh, yesterday, so... Up for a bit of dinner, a bit of uh, home cooked home cooking, and um, watching the match as well. So a perfect Sunday afternoon, ready to go. Oh, brilliant! Happy birthday to Mister Mansfield as well. And uh, I know it's great having occasions like that. Um, so yeah, best wishes and happy birthday to Mister Mansfield. Um, yeah, I know it's a real exciting week. We we have an announcement to come in a couple of weeks as well. We won't say anything today, but we may have a special guest coming onto the podcast in a couple of weeks as well. So, yeah, it's a busy week, but we crack on anyway, Robbie. And I suppose the biggest topic, we done a preview show the other night on it. And it's Limerick against Cork and Dollar and Hurling Final and Limerick. One-way traffic from early on, 332 to 122, win over Cork. Um, men against boys, Robbie? Uh, yeah, they were, well, I wouldn't say like, you know, it's a bit of disrespect for the Cork maybe saying that, but um, I think the ferocity that Limerick curled away in that first half was just, you know, you know, Cork kind of stuck with the pace for, you know, the opening exchanges and then, just little by little, uh, Limerick just were were still had the foot on the gas, and maybe Cork weren't able to match the intensity for as long. Um, but yeah, it was you know you probably had the best quarter of hurling from Limerick against Tipperary in the Munster final, but you probably had the best the best half of uh, hurling ever, especially in an All Ireland final. Um, I could put it up on the Instagram earlier on that. Um, Limerick scored three eighteen, which would have been enough to win every hurling final all the way back to nineteen seventy two. So that's how impressive they were, and you know, there's no shame in <laughs> in losing to a team like Limerick because they're just just pure class and strong everywhere, and well coached. And you know, you run out words to describe them, and you know, they're definitely you know probably in the conversation now for being one of the great teams ever. You know. Yeah, no, definitely. It was actually funny looking at um, Twitter during the half because there's um, a parody Brian Cody account and when they were saying that it was the greatest half ever, an awful lot of people were referring back to 2008 Kilkenny against Watford. But honestly, and being a Kilkenny fan, I think there's no comparison in the sense because the way the hurling game is gone, it's... It'd be actually a terrific battle to see Kilkenny at their prime against this Limerick team because they really are phenomenal. They really are. John Kiley is after doing some amount of work with him and Paul Connert there as well. And the most important part of a, manage, a manager is getting a team together that they're fully organised, folks on what has to be done. And, I mean, John Kiley just deserves a height of respect for that. And I'm not going to sound a hypocrite because if anyone listened to the podcast at the start of the year, I was questioning um, Limerick to see would they have the bottle to do back-to-back. They were a number of teams, one in All-Ireland. Um, Tipperary struggled to do back-to-back. Clare struggled to do back-to-back. And, I mean, I'm delighted to say I was completely wrong. 
at the start of the year because Limerick really proved uh, the ability they had. But the scary thing, Robbie, is they saved their best game to the final, but still they're putting up high scores on teams throughout the championship. Yeah, and like they probably didn't hurl as well in the second half. You know, like if they had kept hurling at that rate, they could have scored, you know, 60 points altogether. <laughs> That's the sort of intensity they were they were at. So, you know, it's difficult to maintain that for um, for the second half as well. You know, and essentially the game was won, you know. Like Cork didn't score more than what uh, Limerick scored in the first half. You know, I mean, in the whole game, Cork, Still wouldn't have bet that first half score, you know. And um but like definitely Limerick weren't as impressive in the second half, but it'd be hard to be that way, you know. But um definitely they 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 peaked for the final and as you said, they were fairly cruise cruising through the championship, bit of a hiccup early in the league stages, but you know, probably trying out players and and stuff like that. Um but yeah, it's um it's an on ominous sign for things to come, you know. This Cork team maybe a little bit too maybe I think you were saying maybe it was a little early in their cycle maybe to uh, be in the final um, and then maybe next year when they're, if they're getting some of the under twenty guys in or definitely in the next few years they'll have minors and under twenty coming through to challenge this uh, this Limerick team you know um, so yeah they're automatically installed as favourites for next year I suppose you know and if they're they're setting the standard and everyone else has to to try and get up to their to their level or get close to them you know. Yeah, I know, definitely. And with that remark I made earlier, there was absolutely no disrespect to any Cork player because, I mean, what Cork are after showing this year with a, a young side and under um, Kieran Kingston as well. I mean, Kieran Kingston, similar to John Kiley, is after assembling a really experienced managerial team. And as I was saying in the preview programme earlier in the week, I think it was a year too soon. But... Cork are kind of setting on the same footing as Limerick did. Limerick were in a really bad place a few years ago. They suffered really heavy defeats. And um, Anthony Daly went up along with... And, I mean, it wasn't just Anthony Daly going in as an outsider. There were an awful lot of people within Limerick. They set up the proper structure, similar to what Kilkenny used to do in the early 2000s with the development squads but Limerick and are after bringing it to an advanced level and you see Cork are doing it now and Cork could be the real team to beat um, in a couple of years time Galway shown their there thereabouts at minor they're always featuring um, towards the end of the, the under, tw- uh, under age championships but also under 21 as well so it's interesting to um, it'd be interesting in the years to come because you do expect a backlash from the likes of Tipperary, Kilkenny and that as well and Watford will always be there thereabouts um, it was heartbreak for Peter Casey Robbie, I mean to score five terrific points in the first half got to play in the final after being sent off in the semi-final, got cleared at the red card to feature today and just to pick up an injury after playing so great um, it was tough, but still, I suppose the victory will kind of ease that pain. But it was a shame that he didn't last longer in the game. Yeah, it was unfortunate for him, and he was, you know, hurling out of his skin uh, in that first half, and it seemed to be an awkward sort of, you know, a twist um, that he 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 came down on, and it was a, it was a real goal chance as well. Um, that had led up to that, and you know, if he had got the ball, you know, in the form that he was in, he was probably definitely going to stick it in the net. Um, 
there, there was a bit of appeal for penalty or a black card in that scenario with the last man tackling uh, before the ball was laid off. Do you think it was uh, worthy of a penalty? or? I thought so. I thought so. And this is where we, and not to go off topic or a tangent, but this is where we would have had a conversation on an earlier podcast, the consistency. I mean, that would have been maybe a penalty in the latter stages of the league or the early rounds of the championship. But when it comes to the the latter stages of the championship, say an all-earned semi-final or an all-earned final where there are high stakes. Now, to be fair, it wouldn't have really making a difference with the way the scoreline was going at the time. But still, it's something that I think it may need to be reviewed, the likes of a TMO, um, a VAR or something, or even a second referee a second referee or something because in the heat of the battle a referee only has one call and the lines people don't they can kind of tell the referee what happens but unlike soccer or rugby they don't really have power to award an, a, a decision um so yeah it's questionable but if that game was a hell of a lot closer that could be that could be a real talking point tonight yeah, um, just on the TMO thing, I think it would be a good idea. But the only question is, would they have it at every game? You know, would they have it? You know, at every championship game, or would it just be in you know Crow Park or you know bigger like Parky Creeve or whatever? You know, so if it was rolled out, you know, even Hawkeye is only in Turles and is it in, I think is it in, is it Crow Park and Parky Creeve maybe as well. I'm not sure, but. Um, I- think so i'm not i won't lie i know it's in turles i'm not a hundred percent on parky creve i think it is yeah. but i want to have it even like evenly in every stadium and every game that would be that i think that would be essential if they're bringing it in you know yeah i mean if you look at most of the championship games are either being streamed now or they have a fourth official or something so it may be like I, I don't think it'd be feasible, say, in the league, or if they, say, go back with Welsh Cup or Watford Crystal Cup or that. I think they'd be scrapped now with the way the split season's going. Um, but, like, even when Hawkeye came in, I would have had a question about the consistency because a point that maybe a point in Nolan Park and waved wide would be awarded if a player went to the referee and said, here, I want that reviewed by the TMO, or sorry, by Hawkeye, or an umpire wasn't sure and went to. So maybe this is a question that GA will have to look at, a kind of consistency around, because if you had a first-round championship game, which in the past two years was kind of knockout in football, they could be question marks on it, but i say that would be a conversation for... Uh, another podcast anyway um, Seamus, Hardity, uh, Seamus Harmody had a good game for Cork but Patrick Horgan with 12 points 9, frees, nine from freeze today could this be Patrick Horgan's last year Robbie and would if it is would it be a shame that he didn't get an all-earned medal in his career yeah like you see a lot of you know players from counties and they just they come along if they were in a, a different era you know they would have have you know a back pocket full of all Ireland, you know, so it definitely would be, it's hard to, you know, when these, you know, like, like Joe Canning, he got his all Ireland medal, you know, and it, it would be great to see like great players getting rewarded, you know, for, for being great. Um, you know, and the thing is like, 
you know, we've seen lots of retirements, high profile retirements over the last uh, few years. You know, I think realistically it is hard for especially amateur players to keep going like later into their careers because, you know, lads get into their early 30s and, you know, they could probably keep hurling, you know, for another few years. But, you know, at that at that point, you're starting to think about, well, you know, with my job or my career or I'm raising a family, I want to be home for kids and stuff like that. So that's definitely a factor for amateur players that, you know, professional players can, you know, they can retire when they really want to, whereas, you know, GA players might be, kind of forced almost to make that decision because, you know, they they probably have committed like, you know, since they were, you know, 16 years of age to a county setup and, you know, club and colleges and inter-county scene and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's hard for guys to keep going. You know, it would be great to see him him go and like if they were to come back next year, you know, they might might get the win, you know. So I think that's a question he has to ask himself. But, um. You know, possibly a wider question is, you know, are we losing some great players early to retirement because uh, they're amateur, you know? Yeah, no, that's a very valid point, Robbie. And I mean, they are a question about the it's great amateur ethos of the GEA. Um, but when it comes to, I mean, players have to, I mean, those players will have a couple of days off. The Limerick players and the Cork players will have a couple of days off, <laughs> but they will have to go back to work. But like you were saying, if you compare that to Premier League players, once the season's over, they can go on holidays for as long as they want until the pre-season starts again. Um, so, yeah, and I, I know a good few players. Um, one, a good friend of mine played inter-county and, yeah, I mean, as a result of the injuries he had, he they had to get, he had to get a knee transplant. like, or, sorry, yeah. uh, Not a knee transplant, but a knee replacement, sorry. And um, it it just kind of shows the wear and tear that it, but they deserve great commitment as well. Um, maybe it's a bit early talks of three in a row before we move on. But do you think Limerick will still be the team to beat next year? Or will a rejuvenated Tipperary under new management possibly Liam Call? He didn't make a decision on his future in Watford. Um, but after Liam Sheedy stepping down, he would be kind of the ready-made replacement to go in there after the progression he had with Watford, Galway um, be bitterly disappointed after this year with the loss of Joe Canning. Kilkenny, we don't know yet Brian Cody's future, um, but you'd expect the backlash out of Kilkenny and a, and a vast number of teams, Watford as well, if they're under new management or still under Liam Cal. So do you think Limerick will still be the, the team to beat and could they possibly do the three in a row? Yeah, they're definitely primed to do that. Um, I think though, for all the other counties and even Cork today, um, all the other inter-county hurlers looking at that display and thinking, you know, do I if I really want to win in All Ireland? And in order to do that, we're going to have to go through these guys. So, you know, I'd say for you know a lot of inter-county players, they're saying, right, I'm going to have to start training tomorrow for next year to try and get up to the level I'm going to have to dedicate you know myself 100% fully and committed to do this you know so I definitely think teams are going to come with a big kick next year Um, you know I think a lot of teams may be in a bit of transition like as you're saying with Tipperary and Galway and what's going to happen in Waterford and stuff like that Um, is Brian Lohan going to stay on in Clare 
Uh, Davy Fitz leaving, leaving Wexford and stuff. So I think there's definitely going to be, you know, a bit of movement happening next year. Um, but definitely county boards or teams that don't have managers that want to get signed off pretty quick because if you're going to catch Limerick, you want to be starting tomorrow. And that's not no word of a lie. Yeah, I know. I'd, I'd agree completely with you. It's it's funny that um, I was listening f- uh, by the podcast that, <coughs> oh, I can't think of his name, former Dublin football and Andy Morn of Mayo. Paddy Andrews, Yeah, yeah, that's it. And they're on about that you have nine months, hard work and commitment. You can enjoy three months away and then you're back into the swing of things again. And it just shows even the most successful teams they have to and Paddy Andrews would have been part of the he was there for the five in a row. Um I think I'm not sure if he was there last yes. year with six in a row. But nice. I mean it just shows even after all that's achieved you still you still have the hunger and you have to go back at square one again. Before we move on, Robbie, Keane Lynch was man of the match um, today, an exceptional player, and the pundits today were comparing him to Harry Potter for some of the magic that he was doing on the field. Uh, do you think he's a shoe-in for player of the year? Um, well, there's probably a few Limerick lads that were probably, you know, um, Keane Lynch, or like Keane Lynch or Kyle Hayes, sorry. Uh, he's been, a, you know, a monster all year, and uh, he got that brilliant goal, um against in the, in the Munster final as well and he, he was just like a rock try, like for trying to get past him today um, I think there's like a few lads that will have their hand up on this Limerick team you know um, you know even Patrick Horgan I know that he had a bit of a, a bad end to the year but he's you know was phenomenal all year you know um, yeah I'd, I would say by the way they're talking a lot of the RT pundits would be involved possibly in the decision or they'd be probably might be influencing the people who are making decisions as well so definitely I think he's a forerunner he was brilliant you know he was just doing this he did I know he, he did a lot of magic but he did a lot of simple things yeah. and the kind of the most the, probably the most amazing thing about him is that he's so selfless on the ball he's always looking for that pass um, as they were saying on the Sunday game afterwards or he was being interviewed and uh, they were asking him. It almost seems like you prefer to make a score than to take one, you know. And I think that's that's the real admirable uh, quality in there. Um, that he's always looking for the guy in the best position, and you know that just screams Limerick all over. They're always doing that. And um, one of the things about today that I found most striking was the amount of space that Limerick guys had. Um, yeah. But it all comes from working hard and also giving the selfless pass. And uh, Cork, when they were passing the ball, they were passing to a guy under pressure, and then that led to more pressure. And Limerick were hassling them and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's almost like they're playing at a different speed the way they're they're playing. You no, know? yeah, I know definitely. And they really, we were chatting the other night. Are they the best team of all time? I, it's very hard to say because they've been some great teams. I mean, Wexford, like I was saying in the. You would have heard in the records and fifties and sixties Cork teams, Kilkenny teams, Kilkenny back a decade ago, all of that Tipperary had a real um great a great level of success in the seventies and eighties, Galway as well, like I was saying. So but the current team they they have to be the the best team in around in around the best team of the past twenty years anyway, to be fair. It's very hard to yeah. Not definitely in the conversation. 
Oh, definitely. It'd be very hard not to mention the Kilkenny Tipperary teams and all of that. But yeah, they're up there, the team to beat. Uh, we move on, Robbie, and we're chatting about Cork's underage talent that's coming up. Um, the under-20s defeated Galway on Wednesday evening last 4.19-2.14 and the minors were equally as impressive against uh, Galway again, 123-12 points. Um, as everyone says, and it's common within the GA circles, so you get one or two, maybe three players from a minor team if you're lucky more. But that's some progress for Cork to make in such a short space. Three major finals um, in the space of a week. Um, <coughs> it's really a template, like I was saying, that Limerick set it up, but Cork are really after excelling on it now. Do you think they will be able to continue that? And do you think they will be maybe the team to challenge Limerick? Yeah, well, you know, they've, you know, they only won their under 20 for 2020. And they won it in 2021, but it was last year's team, you know. So, yeah, <clears throat> they're you're definitely the coming team, and maybe we'll have to see how they handle the pressure and if they're able to to filter these guys into the senior squad to get the result. That's the big challenge they have now because they have the they have the raw materials there to build, you know, all Ireland success, you know, for a few years and to win multiple titles, you know. So, it's all about managing it and keeping these guys on track and, you know, keeping the strength and conditioning going and also continue on as they're doing, keeping the, the guys coming through, you know, because Cork are such a big county. They should be, they should be up there, you know, the whole time, you know, the way. So, um, and we love to see them back up there because they were, you know, <clears throat> have since 2013 have had a very, you know, patchy sort of form and results, you know, they could probably beat most any team on the day, but weren't really able to put good results back to back. So, you know, got to all of Ireland final this year, so hopefully they can kick on for themselves next year and get those uh, under twenties and you know get those minor guys onto the next under twenty panel and, and so on and so forth. You know. Yeah, I oh know definitely. Um, there are also minor football action took place yesterday afternoon. Um, Meat defeated Sligo two fourteen to two nine. Meat were in control of that game for um long stages and fended off a Sligo comeback and Tyrone were really impressive against Cork twenty three points to one six victory for Tyrone. Um so it's Meat and Tyrone in Dollar and Minor final. Who would you fancy for that, Robbie? Yeah, I suppose it, it can be difficult to say at minor level, you know, but um <clears throat> You know, it, it is more kind of 50-50, I suppose. Um, you would think that Tyrone would have had more recent success at underage level. So, you know, maybe is the coaching a bit better, a bit slicker there. Um, and he had a big win over a fancy Cork team, you know. So you could probably maybe give a slight edge to Tyrone. But uh, traditionally, me, they're always a bogey team for a lot of northern teams. And uh, yeah. in particular, Tyrone, you know, so... You know, it's interesting to see those sort of things play out, you know, but um, I think the kind of beauty of the kind of minor grade is it's almost like a fresh year, you know, so it's like history doesn't have as big of an impact. But um, so, yeah, hopefully, you know, good game. And uh, I would just favor Tyrone just slightly just because they've had a lot of under underage success over the last, you know, 20 years, you know. Yep, before we move on to the Camogie um, and ladies football, Robbie, 
Um, there's a big game taking place. It's a refixer. It was meant to take place this week, but due to COVID cases, Kerry and Tyrone next week. <clears throat> and the game may be over before our next podcast goes out. I just get you to call that. Do you think Tyrone will be able to put it up to Kerry with all their difficulties over the past couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, I think they will. But um, I think as it was calling. Kerry has been the team to be all year. I still think that um, you know they should have had enough time to get recovery and you know put in a decent a decent shift. Um, you know a lot of people are all, already talking about Kerry versus Mayo. You know so you know maybe is that going to give the Tyrone camp a bit of motivation that everyone's kind of writing them off already? You know and um, you know they played each other in the in the league earlier this year and Kerry got a lot of goals. So you'd imagine that Tyrone are going to be uh, putting forward a more cautious approach and I've had an extra few weeks to work on the game plan if nothing else, you know, so um, an analysed tape of Kerry. So, yeah, I reckon they're going to give it a, a good push and a good lash. Um, Kerry, need a, or Kerry need a big test going if they're, if they're to get through and go play Mayo, you know, and, um, you know, I would want Tyrone to win. Uh, <laughs> real, but, um because not being from Dublin wouldn't really be trying to carry and stuff like that. And I think that if Kerry win, beat Tyrone, they'll probably beat Mayo because Mayo have this tragic history against all teams in finals, but especially Kerry. So it could just be writing on the wall for Mayo. Um, yeah, but I'd, I'd give the, you know, I'd say Kerry by a few points, maybe four or five points, comfortable enough. Yeah, I know, and it's a very valid point you made there. Tyrone will be really bide with all the talk of a Kerry Mayo final because the one bogey <coughs> game for Kerry back in the early 2000s was Mickey Hart's Tyrone. So it will really be interesting, but I can't disagree with you. I mean, Kerry are really bide after their loss to Cork last year, and they will be really, really hard to stop. But yeah, I fancy a good contest there, but Kerry to... I'd nearly go with the same margin about about six seven points i say um but it should be a great game uh their camogie uh, championship quarterfinals took place yesterday afternoon kilkenny defeated wexford 319 to 112 and um, the main um outcome other than the scoreline and the good performance from kilkenny there was the return of a uh, kilkenny legend and dalton to edit uh, kilkenny bench as sub goalkeeper um and I won't lie to you, be kind of biased and delighted to see that as well. Um, but um, yeah, a good win for Kilkenny there. Kilkenny play Cork next weekend, and Tipperary defeated Watford, uh, seventeen points to eleven. Uh, Tipperary pulled away in the second half of that game, but were really impressive and it'd be really, really tough team to beat. They face Galway next weekend as well, and the brilliant thing about that is both those games are taking place in Croke Park as part of a double header next Sunday. I don't have the details on those, but they will be out during the week. Uh, there are also intermediate championship quarterfinals. Antrim defeated Kerry 419 to 17 and intermediate relegation saw uh, Carlo defeat Tipperary 219 to 3-11. Uh, the Premier Junior quarterfinal took place as well. Armagh defeated or sorry our, yeah, Armagh defeated Limerick 116-38 and there are also minor championship quarterfinals took place yesterday with Kilkenny defeating Limerick 127-18 and Dublin defeating Watford 113-110. Real impressive scoreline there in the 
Kilkenny game over Limerick and a really good win for Dublin. That's a really fancy Dublin side after making great strides coming up under age under 16 and it's transforming into minor now. There were also relegation finals, senior relegation final took place and it saw Down regain, uh, retain their status for 2022 after they defeated Westmeath 117 to 24. Westmeath would be really disappointed with that. Um, loss as they put it up to Kilkenny for long stages in their championship group um, group game but um, relegation battles they're just it's just who shows up on the day being honest uh, but Westmeath will bounce back there uh, the intermediate uh, quarterfinals took place as well and they saw Meath defeating Derry by a narrow margin 2-13 to 2-11 and Antrim defeated Kerry 4-19 to 1-7 uh, actually sorry I was wary if I didn't call out that already sorry and then in uh, the junior quarterfinals Roscommon defeated Cavan 2-11-1-8 and Armagh uh, edged out Limerick 1-16-3-8 they're also junior ladies football semi-finals Antrim defeated Carlo 3-22-3-18 Wicklow defeated Limerick 1-12-4 points and the final scoreline Robbie before you go sleep is awfully defeated for Mana five nine four seven to regain or retain their uh, intermediate status for next year. Uh, we move on, Robbie, to the Premier League, and their action took place over the past couple of days. Uh, I think the standout yesterday would be Man City's win over Norwich and Liverpool's over Burnley. Man City defeated Norwich five nil, and Liverpool defeated Burnley two nil. Um, the and sorry, a good tie between Leeds and Everton as well. It finished two all. Do you think it's could play out Liverpool Man City for the top of the table? Especially Man United slipped up today. Um, they drew with Southampton one all and Spurs. With all the talk about Harry Kane, um, defeated Wolves today one nil. But do you think it's still kind of between Liverpool and Man City maybe, or is it early? Yeah, yet? definitely. Yeah, I think, um, and he throw Chelsea in there as well. But um, oh, Chelsea, yeah, sorry, one today as well. Sorry. Yeah, but um, yeah, Liverpool are looking good. You know, they you know, they haven't really played a decent team yet. You know, so it's hard to really read <laughs> into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you know, Van Dijk seems to be playing well, and you know, they haven't really strengthened their squad that that much. Well, in comparison to you know City and United and stuff like that, or Chelsea, so. But they've always been able to do quite well with the players they have. Like they have a world class squad, and you know, up until Christmas last year, they were doing quite well with the injuries they had to Van Dyke and Allison. So, you know, I think they'd probably be, and they had they kind of imploded in the second half of the season. Um, but I definitely, and you could argue maybe the not having the fans is a bit of a factor for them as well. But um, yeah, I think they'll definitely fancy their chances. Uh, Klopp's brilliant manager. Um. And they've been able to get so much out of that group of players, you know. So um, I definitely think they're in the, in the running for it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the big games, you know, when the top teams are playing each other, how if they're winning consistently or they're getting draws or losses and stuff like that. Or is their, their home record at Anfield going to come back to its impressive uh, form that it was um, pre-COVID? Um, if that happens, they'll definitely have a big chance. Um, you know, City have a great squad so they're always going to be in the conversation and then Chelsea I think are looking really good as well um yeah like I know United slipped up today but there's you know 
there is some teams that can get results on the day. Uh, I know like a lot of people are commenting about like the strength of the Premier League, but I think a lot of teams, you know, in that, you know, middle tier can put it up to teams and especially, you know, maybe United, they are prone to lapses against the smaller teams as well. Um, yeah, so I think United are still in it, you know, like City lost last week as well, you know, so yeah, they like they will come out and dismantle small teams and score a lot of goals against them, but then maybe lose or draw the, the bigger games and stuff like that. So it's going to come down to who can minimize those those little slip ups against the the crappier teams and then trying to not lose games against the bigger teams. And, you know, I think, you know, it's not going to be um, like even Spurs could be in the conversation as well. Like there seems to be going well. And maybe is Kane staying? If Kane stays, maybe they could be up there in the conversation as well. And I know we've probably discounted last trip to this point, but you know, if they beat West Ham tomorrow, they could be in the shakeup possibly for, and pushing for a Champions League, you know, place later in the season, you know. Yeah, no, that's a very valid point, and they have a really great manager there, and Brendan Rodgers as well. They were kind of unlucky a bit last year. I won't lie to you; they were up there thereabouts, but just slipped away near the end of the season. Um, before we move on, Robbie, um, Luka Lu, or Lukaku, sorry, um, Luka got Lu. on the, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, Lukaku um, got on the score sheet uh, for Chelsea today and I mean it's a different from last year I mean Werner just couldn't get on the score sheet but Lukaku first game just proved he was worth the money or is it too early to call yet? Yeah like a lot of people are saying he learned a lot of lessons at uh, Inter Milan and then he shifts a bit of weight as well um, and he's kind of adding to his game a bit as well Ash. uh at Inter and he's hopefully going to take it into this Chelsea team and you know the Chelsea team you know were really good they won the Champions League without having a striker who is in really really good form um so you know Lukaku coming in there you know in previous seasons in the Premier League he was banging in a lot of goals and if he can do that like sometimes he didn't perform when he was at Chelsea the first time and then at United, but if he can carry that sort of like when you think he was out, was he at West Brom or he was at Everton as well? And he scored yeah. a lot of goals uh, when he was on loan and stuff like that. So if he can just transfer that into you know playing for for Chelsea this time, they could be you know they could have a very complete team. Um, so yeah, I think he could be their their X factor this year. Um, and if Spurs keep Kane, keep Kane. There'll be doubts over Man City in terms of having a recognised uh, number nine, you know? Yeah, I oh know, definitely. And it's really interesting, <laughs> only the second week. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's a long season yet. But top teams, except for Arsenal, do you think Arteta could be the first manager shown the door? Um, Yeah, well, the, the first match was a very bad result. And then they're playing a really on-form Chelsea team. So, you know, I suppose Arsenal fan TV is going to be quite comical today, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's almost, they're almost like a parody of themselves, how they, they call to sack the manager straight away. Um, so yeah, he probably needs another few more games, uh, but he's definitely going to be under a lot of pressure, like no winning too. So he's definitely going to be, he's definitely going to be feeling, you know, my time could be limited here unless I turn it around, you know, but um, they got Odegaard in and he wasn't able to play today. So 
you know, he could maybe possibly be a person to lead the line and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, Arsenal, they really need a bit of steel in there, someone who's going to, you know, put their body on the line. That's what they've been missing for a long, long time. And very surprised they haven't signed guys who are going to do that, you know, just to add a bit of steel to them. Yeah, I know, definitely. Uh, we move on, Robbie, and I have to apologise. I skipped on to the Premier League roundup, which should have gone to the top picks, but we go to the top picks now. And I let you take it away first for this week. Uh, yeah, well, I've actually been kind of quite busy, so I haven't got to see anything this week that I'm going to review. But um, one that's on my list is the Malice in the Palace, which is um, a documentary about um, is the LA Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers, and they had a bit of uh, a bit of beef, and it was like. Um, they had a bit of beef off the court, on the court, and then fa- there was fans getting involved and it turned into a big, mad uh, blow up in the stadium. And then there was like huge fallout from it. So it looks very interesting and um, definitely going to um, check it out. Other than that, I haven't really been watching a lot, I'll be honest with you. I've just been kind of busy going around. But um, there's actually another hurling podcast is the... It's the lovely hurling podcast I listened to during the week with Anthony Nash and uh, Dan Shanahan. That was actually it was a really good podcast. Um, I'm going to check that one out in the future. So that's another one to add into the the hurling podcast uh, world. Yeah, I know definitely. And Sharon is Karen here on this podcast. And if we hear a good podcast, we will um, call it out here because. And they are some really brilliant podcasts out there. Actually, just when we're mentioning about that, one of our listeners from uh, the United States had a birthday during the week as well. So give a shout out to Noah Fitz, um, who's a follower of the podcast here, who's in um, Tennessee, I think. I, I I stand corrected on that, but I think it's Tennessee. So give a shout out to Noah Fitz there as well and a belated happy birthday as well. Uh, the picks this week from me, Robbie, I won't lie to you, I was very busy as well, doing nothing, uh, finishing up with the radio and um, was in charge of social media and that this week as well. So I was kind of caught along with Camogie as well. But I was able to spot a couple of things. This one is on Facebook. It's called That Was Epic. Um, and the channel is kind of pranks. They're going around a bit like, um, you know, Naked Camera. And it's mainly set um, around college campuses in the United States, but they also go around to um, shopping centers. I was going to say shopping malls, but I haven't been that American, America (laughs) ties yet. But um, yeah, it's really good. It's so, I mean, if anyone's single, now it may not work as easy in Ireland, but if anyone's single, there's some genius things um, to get phone numbers and to arrange dates as well. But I won't ruin it any more than that. That was epic on Facebook. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. And I also got to watch a film. It's a real personal favourite of mine. And it's from the early 2000s. And I just find it hilarious. And it's White Chicks. It's on Netflix. And I just love that film, Robbie. I just think it's so funny. Um and yeah, it's an awesome. one, oh, sorry Rob I was just saying yeah it's an awesome movie yeah and uh, it's it's brilliant and I won't lie I kind of had a crush when that film came out on Busy Phillips as well but um, that had nothing to do with me watching it again anyway but uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> 
Uh, there are two things to check out. That was Epic and White Chicks on Netflix. Um, now, the next topic, Robbie, I won't lie to you. It didn't affect me. And um, I know by your character it wouldn't affect you either. Um, definitely. But did you hear only fans is to block explicit content from, I think, next month? Um, yeah, I think it was October, I think they were saying, but, um, or October, sorry. Yeah, it seems like a strange thing for them to do because that seems to be like most people were on it, you know? So <laughs> it kind of seems like, you know, maybe McDonald's or, you know, aren't going to sell burgers and fries anymore. It's kind of like, well, what are you going to do then? So like, I've never been on the platform. I'm not like, uh. No, trying to pull I, the wool over anybody's eyes. I'm not, I haven't been on it, so I don't really know the ins and outs of it. Um, or maybe I shouldn't say ins and outs. Maybe that's good. <laughs> but um, yeah, it seems like that's to be the main focus for people being on it. So I'm not sure what other stuff is on it, you know. So or if you're just going to be chatting to these people as opposed to seeing, you know, explicit content and stuff. So it seems to be like a bit of an own goal or kind of shooting themselves in the foot, really. So. <laughs> um, Maybe OnlyFans will be going out of business soon. Yeah, I know. I'm same hands on heart. I didn't know what it was. And the funny thing about it was I learned about it on one of the most, I say, least likely shows you ever hear, <laughs> hear about it. And it was actually on the Claire Burns show on RTE one one night. They were on about it and they had a content creator on it. And he made... I think a hundred thousand a month or something from the platform. And um, now listening to the radio during the week, they were saying the reason why the content's been blocked is because of the uh, financial services contractors they would have had. And so maybe the payment services or maybe the bank account to the content creators or something weren't accepting payments. But it sounds to me like going into your local takeaway and ordering a salad. It just, doesn't make sense to me um in that context like um but it's definitely one way of going out of business anyway yeah true and just you know it would be great to get money like that you know to be honest, you know i definitely if there was a market for uh bald bald guys with ginger beards you know i'd definitely be trying to get some of that hundred grand a month uh so you know, just uh, I, I know someone someone was commenting during the week saying, "Oh, at least with OnlyFans, kind of content creators having you know a way to make money that people will be available to work in restaurants and stuff from now on." So I don't know how true <laughs> that is, but yeah, no, it's um, the one one thing about it. Now listening to the <clears throat> the person that was on the Claire Byrne show, I was telling you about tonight. If that income source is taken away, could you imagine going to an interview and saying, what was your previous job? Oh, well, I was on OnlyFans and I was ex or put myself on exhibition, in other words. It wouldn't really go down well. Are they a thing that maybe people didn't, that were the content creators on it didn't think about the future? The money was just so good, they just thought about the present. Um. Yeah, I'd say like, there's probably a lot of people do a lot of, I suppose a lot of the content creators are probably relatively young people, you know? Uh, so, you know, in general, young people don't tend to think about the future that much, you know? So <laughs> I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's some content creators 
on this platform who've made some uh, content that they will maybe literally be kind of dying or cringing inside the, at the thought of maybe their children finding out that this is what they did or maybe that, you know, friends of theirs were maybe viewing the content and talking about it or, you know, even like relationship, you know, someone saying, oh, I've seen this, your partner or whatever, your nail partner, I've seen them doing whatever on this on this website, you know. So it definitely is a, a bit of a Pandora's box in terms of, you know, you're you're maybe taking a lot of money, but you could be um, opening a whole lot of issues and, you know, cringy, awkward situations further down the line, you know? Yeah, I was going to say it was a good pun there, but I won't call it up. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. <laughs> No, I leave it. Uh, <laughs> even though um, we highlight that under 18 shouldn't be listening to it, but I don't want to open up Pandora's box there anyway. Uh, okay. <laughs> we move on to the World Sports Roundup, Robbie, and i let you take it first this week. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> so relatively quiet, just with the NFL, the you know season's going to be starting soon, September 9th, Cowboys versus the Bucks. That's going to be kicking off the season. So at the minute, it's just um, preseason games and there's a lot of the rookie quarterbacks are getting to play and you're getting your first chance to see them, you know, playing NFL games. Um, there's a quarterback for the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields. Um, now it's more than likely he's not going to start the season as the quarterback, will, will, will most likely be the future of the franchise. But he got absolutely pinged uh, with a tackle there last night or the other night where the guy who was tackling him went like helmet to helmet and uh, Justin Fields, uh, Helmet ended up uh, popping off, uh, so it, lo- it looked quite bad, you know. So I'm sure the whole city of Chicago was uh, was uh, like in in the horror seeing this happen to their their future quarterback. Um, <clears throat> just a few things kind of off the field in the NFL. There's been some videos surfacing online of like fans fighting or getting to full on uh, fist fights. Um, and they're kind of wondering, is this stemming from you know lockdowns and people being locked down for a while during the pandemic? And then there's maybe a lot of uh, <clears throat> people have a lot of aggression build up and there may be tolerance for other people is getting quite low. And there's been a few videos, I've seen them on Facebook and Instagram of, you know, guys, you know, going at each other and, you know, lots of stuff like that. And there was a lot of instance of you know, speaking of the, Malice in the Palace thing earlier on, but there was a lot of incidents at a lot of NBA games uh, during the playoffs and during the end of the season with kind of fans doing stuff to players and, you know, throwing stuff at them. And yeah, so <clears throat> it'd be kind of interesting space to watch. Is this going to be something that's going to continue going forward with, you know, lots of uh, people going into large areas now? Or maybe it's a possibility that these things happened anyway, but just... Literally everyone has, uh, you know, a high-speed camera in their phone, in their pocket at at all times, and we're just getting to, it's getting uploaded straight away now. I don't know. Yeah, it's one thing you wouldn't really associate with American sports. You wouldn't maybe, I I I won't lie, hands up. I wouldn't watch that much. I wouldn't watch much NBA or NFL. But it's one thing you would never hearing of. Like you wouldn't associate it. You know, with the say the trouble that can be around British soccer games are but maybe maybe as you're saying maybe it's a factor of people being locked down too much but it's 
kind of a strange one. Um, do you have any other world sports for this week, Robbie? Uh, no, that's it for me, man. Cool. Um, yeah, I just be short and sweet this week, and it's a shout out to the Ireland Paralympic team. The Paralympics is taking place. Uh, I think the opening the opening ceremony is on Tuesday. Uh, after it'd be around half twelve, one o'clock, I think. Maybe a bit yeah. earlier, but a uh, shout out to the Irish, Irish Paralympic team there. Uh, Mary Fitzgerald from Kilkenny's taking part in that in the shot put. And uh, a couple of real medal hopes there be Ellen Keane in swimming and also Jason Smith in the 100 metre sprint. And Jason Smith is one of the fastest uh, Paralympians in the world. So um, And also uh, the rest of the Irish Paralympic team as well. It's too many to call out, but... Um, Best of luck to them all, and I'm sure there'll be a truckload of medals coming home from that as well. Uh, we move on, Robbie, and the next topic, it actually, I thought of it when I was watching the All-Earned Hurling final today, and it's, if you could play or take part in one major sporting event in the world, what would it be? In one major event or a sporting event? A sporting event, sorry. Um, do you want to go with your pick there while well, I, well, I think of my one yeah um, it might sound it kind of because it was on today or that but I'd love to play in an all-earned hurling final or even a football final but especially an all-earned hurling final um, reason why is I took part in a charity match in Croke Park a few years ago it was an empty stadium but just being on the pitch, you could imagine being on the pitch with 80, 84,000 plus, or is it, what's the capacity? It's around, sorry, yeah, is it yeah. 82? Or, so it's it's early 80s anyway, but you just could imagine that 80,000 supporters anyway, give or take, uh, shouting down at you, and knowing me, I'll probably trip up um, running out onto the stadium anyway, but be definitely something... Like, people might say, oh, would you not pick the World Cup final or, say, the Super Bowl or something like that or even the final of the Aussie rules. But I just think for an amateur game, and it is kind of getting real-world attention now, if you look at the videos on YouTube that are looking at hurling and Gaelic football and that, I just think it'd be some honour to represent your county in Croke Park, I won't lie. Yeah, that's uh, a good pick. Um, you know, I've always thought that um, this like the semi final, your home semi final, uh, for like whatever leg it is, first or second leg in the Champions League, is always like an amazing. It's like probably the biggest event in that in that club's um, in that calendar year if they make it there that year or whatever. Um, because it's like the culmination of the whole season. And you get this one last chance to help your team make the final. And usually you have like a packed stadium in your favor, if you know what I mean. So like the atmosphere is absolutely electric. And you also have, you know, the the colors and there's usually like a quite a big display of banners and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, you know, I think like Liverpool are definitely a club that do it well. And a lot of people were commenting about having all the fans back at uh Anfield and them singing you'll, you'll never walk alone and you know definitely Liverpool and uh, singing 
singing for before like pre kickoff for a Champions League game is you know it will make the hair stand on the back of your back of your uh, neck or whatever. Like, even if you're not a Liverpool fan. And I know actually kind of Celtic do the same thing quite well as well, you know, so yeah. there are two, two examples or like even, you know, like any, like usually lots of, you know, big European teams have really, really good atmosphere um, at their home stadium and then it gets magnified. You know, you have like the Champions League music and all this sort of stuff and the fans are going crazy and that sort of thing, you know, so that would definitely be, you know, you could pick a lot of other different things, but, you know, I've always thought that, your home leg of the Champions League semi-final is, you know, an absolutely uh, mega occasion, you know? Yeah, I know that's a brilliant pick, Robbie. I mean, just when you mentioned Celtic there, I could imagine having, say, a home tie um, against Celtic in the Champions League. Now, with the form Celtic are in at the moment, it may not be realistic (laughs) for a year or two, but um, yeah, I know it'd be just phenomenal now. And yeah, I know a terrific pick and I... Other than my one, I don't think it could be better. I know, joking. It, it's just, they seem to be, say, compared, now, no disrespect to Premier League games or anything, but Europe just seems to be more special. I, I don't know why. Um, It's very important to get a win in your domestic league, but maybe being a Liverpool fan, Europe was always, with the record we have in it, was always special. And, um, yeah, I know, it's a brilliant pick. Uh, we move on, Robbie, and we go to the high ball. The high ball. <laughs> now, I can't take credit for this one today, but I think it's a really funny one. And um, if you're under 18, please knock off the podcast now. Um, thanks a million for tuning in, but um, we don't want letter of complaints from your parents saying um, we had maybe raunchy content. But... Um, the high ball this week, Robbie, I think you know, but uh, which sex is better? Uh, I miss you sex, drunk sex, high sex, this is the last time sex, or makeup sex? And for the first um, time, I won't come first. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I love it, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's class. You know, I suppose like the thing with, you know, the last time is that you don't, like, you know, you probably wouldn't know it is the last time, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, you're kind of not really going to enjoy it as that, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I definitely think, you know, probably drunk is, you know, you know there's, there's probably like a sweet spot of drunk, if you know what I mean. Not like hammer drunk. That's obviously a different story. Like, it Yeah, be... I had an experience <laughs> there and it's not fun. Not fun. Uh, you yeah, wake up and probably... you can't remember a thing like... <laughs> yeah, I think there's probably like an optimal, you know, maybe had a few, you know, so you're quite merry and probably a bit frisky too as well. So yeah, I would say probably I'd probably have to go for the drunk one to be honest, you know, because um you know things could get pretty pretty crazy to be fair. Just enough of drinks so you have enough of lubrication, like. That kind of. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, but there's so many uh, puns coming. I'm telling you, doing these puns on Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I would have agreed with you. I won't lie to you, but I had one incident that I woke up and I couldn't move my arm and I couldn't remember a thing and I looked around and yeah, I hadn't a clue what the hell happened. Um, now, so yeah, that would knock me off a drunk straight away. I won't lie to you. Now, everything was perfect, but yeah, it's a scary experience. Uh, I probably have to go for I miss you sex. Um, yeah. Say if a partner was away, a girlfriend was away um, for a while and you kind of, it's like that scene in the film um, where kind of people come back reunited. Um, but yeah, I won't lie to you, high sex, not because I would never have uh, trying any drugs I won't lie to you um, last time uh, I don't know it, I often heard of people doing that I just I wouldn't be into it I won't lie to you if like you're breaking up in someone Un- like it's very hard to say because if you're going with this last time you wouldn't know it was kind of the last time or if you knew it was the last time, kind of was a breakup and it was kind of, you said here, which can happen. Uh, makeup, nah, I, I, I'd i have to go for I miss you. I won't lie to you. Um, I just think we good. And especially like when I was younger to be, say, girlfriends away in college and all of that. And um, yeah, it'd be, but I'm not disclosing anymore. <laughs> No, it's a top secret information. That's it, definitely. And I'm after running out of puns. The puns. Um, I'm completely. Yeah, you're probably, I'll probably think of loads of them afterwards. I'll be like, God damn, I should have said that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely ejaculated of puns for the moment. So. Uh... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, well, like a sticky note to end the podcast on. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I slid it in there just to finish it off. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, we need to back off on the puns, now, to be honest. <laughs> Before uh, we get we're, taken down. We're not burning rubber anymore. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, as Robbie said before, we were kicked off. Um, it was a pleasure again, Robbie. Um, and yeah, if you want to contact us, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Two Hands Under Hurl Podcast. Uh, we love your interactions. And fair play to Robbie, there's brilliant content going up on our Instagram and Facebook. Um, weekly and we're really chuffed uh, with the reaction to the post and if you have any suggestions for any topics or anything you want us to do we'd love hearing from you and um, we're actually overawed with the listenership we're getting so thanks a million for tuning in you're brilliant so until next week Robbie be good and uh, be safe and pleasure again yeah so teach have a good man same to you. Thanks a million, Robbie. Good luck. Right. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.